0: The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.
1: Our next guest was in Wuhan, China last November. And at the time, he had no idea that he was in what would become the epicenter of a global crisis. Dr. Randall Mork is a distinguished finance professor at the University of Alberta. He joins us this afternoon. Dr. Mork, thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure. How are you? So can you... I'm good, thank you. Can you start by telling us why you were in Wuhan and and what was it like at the time?
0: Well, yes, the Chinese government was very kind to give me an award and then uh, part of the terms of it were that I was to help set up uh, an economic research center at a university in Wuhan uh, called the Zhongnan University of Law and Economics uh, in a college there called the Wenlan College of uh, Economics. Uh, So I was there to try to suggest some research topics to talk with professors and to uh, try to organize a, a research group that would uh, 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 bring bring them into connections with uh, with international uh, research conferences and and research agendas.
1: So you were there just before um, everything started yes. happening, right uh, yeah, yeah I
0: arrived in late uh, November and I left uh, the into the second week of December so that was just a week or two before the whole thing exploded
1: so tell us uh, about what happened in the days and the weeks to to follow you started getting messages from your contacts there did could you believe what you were reading and what you were hearing well,
0: yeah originally I thought that they must be overreacting uh, because the uh, death rates that I was seeing in the statistics just weren't that high, Um, but uh, it it now looks like the death rates were higher than people thought, and so maybe the officials actually knew that and they were reacting to the real death rates rather than to what was being published at the time. Uh, But they did lock down uh, very severely, and uh, the people that I was in touch with were really quite impressive. They were remarkably resilient and in good spirit through the whole thing. so, so they, you know, they felt they were doing the right thing and that uh, it was a necessary sacrifice and they were doing their part. They're very impressive people.
1: As an expert in financial analysis, what were you thinking as this started to spread around the world and, and how it was going to impact the world economy? Well, it's... It's very different from a normal downturn. In a normal economic downturn, you have
0: people over-investing in dot-com stocks or you have banks over-investing in mortgages or something like that, and it causes a crisis. Uh, And then you have to kind of undo all of that and stimulate the economy Mm -hmm. so that you get growth in other sectors. And that's not what we're doing now. What we're doing now is putting the whole economy into sort of an induced coma, and we're trying to keep... uh, The economy from deteriorating while it's in this coma and then we want to wake it up and just have it exactly where it was before we don't really need to move money out of dot-coms and into something else the way we would after the dot-com crisis we don't need to move money out of mortgage banks and into into other things the way we did after 2008.
1: So by putting the, putting it uh, into an induced coma, as as right. you called it, um, what's the damage um, b- uh, of doing that, or what's the, and what's the benefit of doing that right now? Because well, there's a th- lot of people who are terrified.
0: Absolutely. So so I mean, you 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 don't want people going to crowded workplaces, and you don't want people going to the movies, and you don't want people traveling on airplanes, and so that hurts all of the companies that are doing that, and. there are some jobs you just can't do at home and so those those people are are hurting and uh i think that that a very broad income replacement program. The government is paying 75% of uh, employers' uh, payroll costs to keep people at work. That's probably the right thing to do. If this goes on any longer, that needs to probably be extended and amplified. Uh, Because what you wanna do is make sure people don't lose their homes, uh, people's small businesses aren't closed, because there's really nothing wrong with these businesses. There's nothing wrong with the people's incomes who have their homes they have. Good jobs and employable skills and stuff, and you just want everything to go back to where it was in December. Once this is all over, we don't need to reallocate resources the way we do after a normal downturn. So we just Doctor, we, we, wanna, we just want to keep everything from 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 falling apart.
1: Well, it, it, the the concern is and I see it from my uh, from my listeners every yeah. day they're really concerned about if Canada Canada and 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 Alberta let's put it that way the, the municipalities can uh-huh. afford to do what we're doing can can the nation afford to do this?
0: Well, in a way it's kind of like a, a really big war. So in World War II what we were doing was having people work really hard and we made ships and airplanes and stuff that went out and got destroyed in a war. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, we were kind of producing nothing that was of lasting value. I mean, we won the war and that was all important and everything, but people's jobs were not actually producing anything. that 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 was going back into the economy and so that's kind of like paying people wages to just stay at home uh and so we built up a huge debt and then we had to pay it off over the next decades and that's where we're going to be we're going to be in a 1946 economy when this is all over
1: so what does that mean for well there are different ways
0: (laughs) yeah so so the government can raise taxes on everybody and you know maybe Mm. uh a tax really big inheritances or a wealth tax on the super rich are things that they might think about But usually governments think about those things and then decide to tax the middle class instead. Uh, So I'm not a big fan of tax increases to get through this. The other thing is they could just run a big debt for a long time, and that's Mm -hmm. more doable now because interest rates are so low. So back when uh, Ralph Klein was trying to make Alberta debt-free, the Alberta government was paying uh, 10% plus interest on its debt. Now interest rates for government debt are one percent or 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 thereabouts so the government can actually afford to be much more in debt now than it could uh 20 30 years ago because interest rates are so much lower uh you don't have to tax people as much to pay one percent interest as you do to pay 16 percent interest mm-hmm. and then the mm-hmm. third possibility is that the bank of canada could just print money And then we would have more inflation than we had in the past and we could use that printed money to pay off the debt. My guess is it'll be some mix of the three depending on which parties are in in charge in Ottawa. This is really going to be a federal thing how this is paid off.
1: It, it must be, you know, considering what you do for a living. It must be somewhat fascinating to to be watching this and and see how it's unfolding and, and how we're going to wake us up from this from this coma.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it, it it is. There are going to be economics papers written about this for the next hundred years, I think. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know how uh, w- and when we get out of it. I mean, you know, we a, a vaccine. People tell me is. Uh, even if we get what is unlikely to be 100% effective. uh, And so maybe there'll be a, a cure for it that would be kind of the way there's a cure for AIDS in the sense that you can take pills to make the 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 virus not not be uh terribly damaging uh or maybe uh even we could we could if we got tests where you could just test yourself every morning and in a test that you did at home that took five minutes and something turned purple if you have covid then you know whether you can go out or not and it's just that simple if you if your test turns purple that day you have to stay home that kind of thing could also open the economy very quickly
1: When I was talking to uh, another uh, financial analyst uh, last week, and he suggested that uh, capital investment was going to be key to to recover from this. What are your thoughts on that?
0: That is true in a normal downturn. Um, I'm not sure it's true now, so in a normal downturn, what what often happens is that there's been too much investment in the wrong thing, in uh, in in dot com companies or in mortgages or whatever, and then you need to have that investment moved out of those sectors and into other things that can create uh, more real jobs to make up for the the past bad investment. Um, this time, it's it's different. We don't really need that. What I think, what I'm watching for is is an increase in consumption again. Uh, What's happened this time is there's been a dramatic decrease in aggregate consumption. Now, investment's down too, of course, because you invest to produce new things to uh, to sell to people who are consuming. But the real thing that's happened this time has been uh, a, 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 a huge downward shock in, in uh, total consumption. What we really need to do is get people, once this is over, to be out having a party and traveling <laughs> to Hawaii and uh, buying things and building new houses and stuff. And uh, part of that is investment but a big part is just restoring consumer confidence so you get consumption back up
1: Dr. Morka, I'm wondering if we can just kind of narrow in on uh, the province of Alberta for a couple yeah, sure. of minutes. I mean, it, it's been it's been hit really with a triple whammy, hasn't it? Right. I mean, you look at uh, the prices, and yeah. and I wonder if you know Alberta coming out of this is it's going to be even more difficult maybe than some of the other provinces.
0: Well, that that could be. I, I suspect energy demand will roar back as soon as people start flying and driving and stuff again. But uh, th- there is a longer term issue. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Alberta has 4 million plus people now. And, uh, you know, back when we had a million and a half people being dependent on one sector, energy sort of made sense. But we have a much bigger, more populous province now. And we probably do need to have uh, a broader industrial base going forward. Uh, So I, I do worry a little bit about the energy industry driving provincial politics too extensively now you know that said the energy is is not demand for energy is not going to go away and uh, uh, as wonderful as wind and, and solar and geothermal and stuff are they're still pretty small compared to mm-hmm. fossil fuels so if there's a, a turning point for fossil fuels it'll probably be some some ways down the down the road uh, so we still have a, a good bit of time I think to to worry about those issues. But uh, it, it does make sense to have a more diversified and broader industrial base.
1: Before I let you go, I, I'm wondering, um, your your contacts in China, the people that you've been back and forth with yeah. over the past uh, while, I know some of the restrictions have mm-hmm. been lifted. They're starting to, to, to get back out there. Right. Can, you, can you tell me what they're saying about what it's like there now?
0: Well, some parts of Wuhan are still under lockdown and some parts you can go out, but it's still fairly restrictive. So they're kind of, for them, getting out of lockdown means being kind of like we are now so they were okay. actually confined to their apartments um, right. and uh, they, even with masks and stuff they weren't supposed to go out except in extraordinary circumstances so for them coming out of it means getting to kind of where we are now and the Chinese government has been using cell phone apps to track people to make sure they stay in their apartments uh so you have to have an app on your cell phone and you have yeah. to carry your cell phone with you and the advantage of that is that then if the government knows that somebody got uh the coronavirus they can go back through the cell phone records and find all the other people who were within you know 10 meters of that person in the last mm-hmm. two weeks and warn them that they might have this um, but uh, there, there is a, a kind of a, an intrusion into personal privacy that I think in Canada might uh, have a lot more objection than it has in China. That uh, tracking system is still operational.
1: Yeah, and uh, Dr. Hinshaw saying that a voluntary tracing app is coming soon for Alberta. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how that uh, how yeah. that unfolds. Dr. Right. Mark, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Oh, it's afternoon. my pleasure. I really appreciate your time. I really yeah. do. Thank you so much. Okay, sure. Bye. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Dr. Randall Mork, who is a uh, distinguished chair in finance, uh, distinguished university professor Alberta School of Business and Finance and Statistical Analysis. I enjoyed, the, I really enjoyed that conversation with uh, Dr. Mork. Yeah, so again, you know, uh, Dr. Hinshaw announcing yesterday, uh, as you heard Dr. Mork say in, in China that they have those, um, you know, the tracking system. Uh, in in Alberta, yes, this volunteer tracing app is is coming soon. A voluntary tracing app is coming soon. Um, it's a it's a mobile application. It's called AB Trace Together. It's in the final testing phase. Expected to be available in the coming weeks. Um, and uh, what they've said, and they've said all along when it comes to this, that strong tracing and, and tracking of contacts can be a really important tool to um, help um, with, with the work of manual contact tracing as well. You have to do kind of both ways, right? But it would be an added bonus to help. And they said that the contact tracing is one of the most laborious parts of all of this, trying to figure out who was near who and where were you, you know, if you think about it, you know, if you had to say, okay, where was I last Saturday and try to remember all of them and try to remember maybe the people that you're around, it might be a little bit difficult. Um, so what they were hoping is that um, if, if, if someone was Close to someone else who maybe got diagnosed with COVID-19, that that they could contact, that the province could contact that person earlier, and allow people, allow you to take action sooner, to and that would uh, help prevent the spread.